Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us, guys, at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Lisa Lorette West. Whoa. Totally different name. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Of course, as you may notice, we have a new guest host for the mental health segment. Sarah has moved on and taken on new endeavors and is supporting families in many different ways Mm -hmm. now. So we certainly wish her all the luck. Of course, we're happy to have Lisa, and this is such a comfortable transition for Lisa because of your background, of course. Yes, um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and have been in healthcare for all of my career, supporting families now for close to 30 years, starting um, at uh, Transplant Hospital in Houston, Texas, where I supported folks who were waiting for heart transplants and lung transplants, and now have sort of come full circle, and I'm on the opposite end, um, supporting families who are grieving and those that are giving the gift of life. Oh, well, we are lucky to have you. Thanks for saying yes to having a seat at the mic. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up on this episode of The Gifted Life today. Hear how one donor family is connecting donor families across the nation for added support. And then we're going to talk about tips on how to think before you speak and the good (laughs) that can come from that. I feel like I'm attacked right now, Lisa. I don't know. (laughs) Lots coming up on this episode of The Gifted Life, guys. Hang on. Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we are excited to introduce you to our new friends, Larry and Vivian Lefferts. How are you guys? Great. Good morning. We are so excited to have you on the Gifted Life, and we love, love the passion uh, that you guys have. We love what you're working on, and we love your why. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about why you're in our donation world and uh, what you've been working on? We've lost our son, uh, our 22-year-old son, John, uh, due to an aortic dissection in 2004. And through that loss and the gifts that John was able to share, uh, really inspired us to to share our story with others. Uh, We want to inspire others to register to be donors so that their families might experience the hope that comes out of donors and the blessings we have received from that. You mentioned, you know, that he was 22 years old. And and of course, as I understand, that was uh, around 17 years ago. That's you know, there's so much change that's happened in the OPO world as far as donor family support is concerned, but there's still, there's never enough. There's always a gap. So, of course, you guys uh, took it upon yourselves to uh, co-found the Donor Family Care Network. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, for a very long time, close to 17 years probably, we have felt there's a need for donor families to have a national connection and a national voice to support the work that the OPOs already do at the regional level. So we were looking for a place for donor families to find comfort and healing for their grief journey. So with some other donor donor parents and supporters, we built the Donor Family Care Network, which is a virtual community founded by donor families for donor families. Mm. 
Yeah. I think one of the things that makes this so special and important is because, you know, your family and friends who've been touched by it, but in a very different way, you share a connection with other families that have lost a loved one in a way that we cannot, even though it's we passionate and we want to help, we can only help to a certain level till then you connect with people who've been through a very similar situation. It just, it's, it's just a, a different kind of help. I think that uh, when you when a person has a loss, they gravitate towards uh, people that have a similar loss in order to uh, uh, learn from them. And we've uh, always felt that, uh, you know, our son died of an aortic aneurysm, but there's all kinds of other, as we all know, uh, ways that people pass away. And we want to build this out where we have uh, discussion forums for those that host of uh, um, the, the ones that are fortunately a case of murder or suicide or uh, losing a spouse or losing a child, losing a sibling, all of those can be separate areas. Very, very uh, forward thinking of, of you guys. What? So what What was that uh, jump on stage, I guess, so to speak, that, that you guys had kind of made you uh, realize, hey, look, this is something we need to do? I think uh, early on, um, in this was going back to 2004 and five. Uh, we kind of felt that, uh, um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but we kind of felt that that uh, there was the the wonderful angel singing organ donor side of it. But then, what about tissues? And the way John passed away, he could not be an organ donor. He was, however, a tissue donor, and he is his donation touched 37 lives and we just felt that uh we one of the things we could do besides helping families is elevate the concept of of the uh the beauty and the need for tissue donation and i I think focusing on tissue and eye is a good thing Um, they don't always tend to fall in the spotlight and so those gifts are precious as well and um, those families need support as well And I think things have come a long way in 17 years because we really push for tissue donor families to reach out to their recipients, knowing that you don't often get a response, but we actually got a response from a staff sergeant in the Marines who had his knee rebuilt by John's Mm. knee. Oh, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And that's the only one we've heard of, but that was a pretty awesome one to hear from. And we've lost touch with him since, but we know that that happened. Did you guys have the donation talks? Like, did you know that he was a registered donor? Were you guys registered donors? What was that like in your in your family all those years ago? In my uh, in my wallet, I have a donation card signed in oh. April of 1980, wow. and the witness wow. was Vivian Westein, my my <laughs> fiance, my soon to be bride in, oh. in uh, July of that. What a so great story! We've been, yeah, we've been supporters of donation forever, but. We're not one of those families that had that bellwether conversation with our with our child about donation. We just knew when he passed away that it would be something that he would want. Um, and as serendipity happens or um, divine intervention, when we were cleaning out his apartment, we actually found a uh, a bumper sticker in support of organ and tissue donation. Walk us through the, I know it's virtual, the Donor Fair Family Care Network. So tell people where to go if they want to 
jump in, just figure out what it's all about, and then kind of walk us through the process. If I'm a new donor family member and I'm looking for this type of support, um, how does that work? The website donorfamilycare.org. And uh, on one of the first page, pages is our mission and our, our vision. And, and uh, our mission is to honor all organ and tissue donors by providing compassionate care and support to every donor family. And our vision is to have a world where every organ and tissue donor family has a place to turn for care, compassion, support, and love along their journey. There's no better way for us to learn how to navigate something than having somebody that walked that path. And uh, this is at the crux of, of what the Donor Family Care Network is all about. Uh, we want to be that, that sounding board or that place to go for donor families that, that just need to reach out to somebody. It's, it's really amazing work that you guys have done. Uh, I have a couple points here. So, so one, you know, one of our family support uh, services coordinators is, is also a donor family member. She lost her son as well. And uh, she and I have been close ever since, uh, you know, for, t- for the 20 years that I've been with LOPA. And whenever, you know, uh, if, if it does come up, whenever they find out that she's a donor mom, uh, it's amazing how that conversation goes oftentimes. You know, no, again, that peer-to-peer support is just something that can't be uh, replaced you know that to, to know that you guys are going through very similar grief journeys and and I really love what you guys are doing uh, I, I talked about how forward thinking you guys are uh, talking about even even certain groups within the donor family group you talked about the homicide and and people who have uh, passed through suicide and and different things you know, because the grief journeys are, are similar in a lot of ways but of course they they might have some you know, uh, specifics that would, uh, you know, from a support standpoint, uh, that is, is also amazing. And then third, and, and I'll leave, you know, of course I'll have a question with this, but, um, there, so, so we focus here and I know every OPO is different with their family support. Uh, our family support in general is around 18 months and it depends on, on families, how long, they may need uh, support beyond that, but I know it's it's it is time limiting for for most uh, OPOs. So for you guys to be able to provide this, you know, essentially as long as they ongoing, yeah, ongoing, yes. it's just it's really uh, amazing. So I'm curious, uh, I, you know, is there like certain time frames that you guys are seeing families uh, that that are are you know looking into the donor of family care network uh or is that is that you know or is it pretty much all over the board i would say it's all over the board we're so new it's not like we've had our website for 15 years so we are so new but we we cover the range from people that lost someone for 17 years as long as john and some that are are very recent we have members in california we have members in west virginia i mean we we try to we, Larry and I reach out to every single donor family we have on Facebook, connect with them. So really the circumstances are so different. So the timing, some can be brand new. And what I like about that is it's a really safe place. They can, you know, we also have a Facebook page. They can 
go in and look around and be part of it. And if they're not ready to put themselves out there yet, they can do that without people questioning and oh, what happened? You know, what happened to your loved one? And so it's a really safe place for them. Timing is is very unique for every grieving person, Um, even in a family, you know, uh, with with you guys as as spouses and losing your son, your grieving may have been different. And I, I think we see that a lot of times in family. So having this for people to come in at any time is great. We had a volunteer um, that we worked with. She had received a liver transplant when she was like 12. And it took her um, donor family 30 years. And they finally did reach out. They started with letter writing and then eventually met. So, you know, it can be, I tell families, you know, you may not hear right away from your donor family or your recipients, but at some point you may, because everybody is just on a different timeline when it comes to grief. Absolutely. And I think because we see so much on Facebook, it makes people hopeful in a way that then they don't hear anything. So I think it's really important that we explain, you don't know their situation. That's the best thing I've heard is you don't know the situation of the recipient and the recipient's family and where they are and where they were when that happened. So if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and you just have to be patient. Right. But I'll tell you, they're all very grateful. Having worked with them, they're grateful. But sometimes just so overwhelmingly grateful, they don't know what to say, and it can be uncomfortable. But it does not mean that they're not appreciative and grateful of their gifts. Absolutely. So I want to say the address again, donorfamilycare.org. I know you mentioned that you're fairly new, but you sound so passionate. Like, I love that. Like, you're making me um, excited for this journey that you guys are on. What reinvigorates you? Is it when people join and just say, I'm here, I just want to listen? Or what is it that makes you say, this was the right move for us? I think one clear example of that is uh, uh, we knew a a woman that was on the Donate Life float whose son uh, was murdered. And uh, I came to realize, you know, our, our grief is ongoing, but, but the initial grief and shock uh, happened in and around the year after John died. But with their son being murdered, every time it was in the paper, the trial, the, the, every time that person appeals their sentence and all that, that poor family is reliving that, that horror again because it's right back out there in the papers. And, and this woman is a very strong woman and we connected her with somebody else that was, you know, that was fresh into just starting the court cases. So uh, I, you know, we don't know what happened after connecting them, but I'm sure that knowing this person that uh, they are going to help that, that, that family through this. So once they join your your page, what's the journey that they they go on? They can participate as much as they like. They can communicate as much as they like or not. Um, do you guys hold training sessions or anything like that? Like walk us through uh, what's happening now and then your vision moving forward. Um, because as we said, this was was fairly new. Well, any anyone can look at the the front page and some of the things that are on there. But there's a membership only section and. Donor families, as you know, have already given so much. Membership is totally free for donor families. And we say a donor family is anyone related by blood or by love to a deceased or living donor because we know that people have had that, those people right beside them, they may not be a blood relative, 
but they're there. But also we recognize that there are people that offer donation, but for some medical reason, their loved one can't donate. And we call those a donor in spirit. And they're also a donor family. So like Larry says, donation lies in the act of offering. Oh, that's beautiful. I love you guys that are one. such a neat couple. Uh, can we talk about these last 17 years and then your relationship and then you guys teaming up to do this amazing project that'll help so many people, not only in your home state, but across the country? I'll tell you real quick and then I'll, Larry, I'm sure will elaborate. We owned our own company. So we, we had the ability, if we were able to go speak or go somewhere, we could, we could do that, but we also were right there with each other all the time, and we felt like we were never both in a funk at the same time, so we could help each other out. Oh. So we didn't, we were really with each other 24-7. We have a daughter that was away at school when that happened, but I always looked at it as uh, we wound up being a three-legged table. Um, when one of us was faltering, the other two would hold the, the, oh. the, that person up. And, and that's kind of been our saving grace with, uh, with, with dealing with it. But really, truly, once, uh, uh, once we realized the benefits of donation and what donation meant, uh, it really just became our passion. And, and uh, the day that John passed away, um, Vivian, we were sitting in the... Um, hospital cafeteria trying to figure away which direction was up but uh two things Vivian said were uh she really felt truly like her heart was broken and then how are people gonna how are people that have aren't won't be able to meet John how are they going to meet John and uh over the next few months it just kind of gelled into this is the way we can introduce John to people you folks can't meet John but we can introduce you to him and tell you all about him um through through talking and talking about the network and talking about everything we do with donations so uh, it uh it just really gelled and like vivian said we owned our own company it's a fireworks company so it's busy in the summer but then we were able to go out and make presentations um to groups about uh about john and about donation and the importance of uh signing up to be a donor uh, it's the last thing. It's, it's not only for uh, your recipients. Obviously, your recipients are blessed beyond beyond uh, uh, not. Well, they're bl very blessed. Your recipients are blessed, obviously. But the real hidden benefits, I think, not so hidden anymore. But I think a hidden benefit is uh, the the blessings and the gifts it gives to a donor family. It gives that donor family gave us something positive to latch on to um, when we feel like we couldn't latch on to anything. Oh, you guys sound so special. I'd love to see you in action. Um, but I'm out in the community. I work with our, our volunteers, donor family members, recipients, and I love to see them. They just light up when they're talking about their loved ones or their gift of life. Uh, what is it that you think when you guys team up together, you go out and you tell uh, John's story? What is it that you think resonates uh, with the people that you're talking to? What works? I, I guess I think we have this hope that, you know, something good comes out of something absolutely horrible something good came out of it and we've been able to speak all over the country about that and share it with people and as other donor families know so often when you meet another donor family it's like 
the world kind of disappears and you zone in on okay, talking to each other and sharing what might be the same, like what might not be the same. But I think, I think that's it. There's like this hope that you can help somebody else by them knowing about John and how donation has helped us. You really never know what, what, what's going to happen with a connection. We were in uh, uh, Pasadena for the Rose Parade and went with some friends disconnected from donation, just old college buddies. And we went to their church with them. And the church said, uh, asked why you're here. So I'm, I'm not a shy one at all. So I stood up and said, <laughs> we were Rose Parade and our, we lost our son. And, you know, we promote organ and tissue donation. So please sign up. And a, uh, afterwards, a woman came directly over to us. And long story short, she had lost a son and uh, her son was married and um, the uh, uh, she couldn't find out about the donation, about what he did, and, and she didn't know what to do. So we connected her with some people with the OPO in Northern California, and she found out some information, but it has grown. We are so close to her, so deeply in love with her. She is now a main volunteer for um, the OPO in L.A., and we see her every year when she's decorating the float. So, and she's reaching out to others. Uh, Vivian mentioned one of our uh, donor family care network members is from California. She lost her son in Chicago and really didn't feel connected with Gift of Hope in Chicago because of the distance and doesn't know anybody at One Legacy. So we've connected the two of them and, and um, uh, are, they're gonna get together. So you just never know what connections, uh, uh, what they're going to lead to. I love it. Donorfamilycare.org. It's a free resource for all donor families across the country. Larry, Vivian, thank you for sharing John's story with us and for folks across the country. Um, and we'll get to learn a little more about John and our hero segment coming up right here on The Gift of Can Life, Can I guys. add something else? Sure. Um, a, couple of, a couple of short poems. I just came, came across this online, and it kind of speaks to what we do. It's, um, it's by Brene Brown. One day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will become someone else's survival guide. The Donor Family Care Network is a survival guide. Um, and then the other one, uh, you know, we often... Uh, we find friends sometimes don't want to talk about John. They don't want to bring him up because it's going to upset us. Um, and that's not the case. And, and this other is an author unknown, but I have read it several to several, uh, many times. Um, the mention of my loved one's name may bring tears to my eyes, but it never fails to bring music to my ears. If you are really my friend, let me hear the beautiful music of his name. It soothes my broken heart and sings to my soul. Oh, that's beautiful. So I think those two really explain what the Donor Family Care Network is all about. Um, we have a host of information on there. You can go there and find uh, uh, membership directories and um, lists of other OPOs and book recommendations. And we really want this to grow if you're a donor family or a loved one. Uh, whatever your definition of your donor family, please reach out and join this and, and give us strength. We really want this donor family care network to be a support for donor families. And 
we are one of our taglines is we are the voice of America's donor families. I love it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for uh, teaming up uh, to offer this free resource, guys. We are a nonprofit. We have nonprofit status. So we're always looking for sponsorships and outside, even things outside of the organ and tissue donation and transplantation field, because the sponsors we get are what allow us to offer this free to donor families. And actually for the second year in a row, and remember we've not been around very long, we earn a platinum nonprofit seal of transparency from GuideStar. So on the front page of our website, not the members only, but the very front page, there's a button that says make a donation. Um, or someone could, if they're with an organization that wants to talk maybe about a little more than just a donation, maybe a sponsorship, they could always contact us through the contact button on the page. Because the more sponsors we have, the more donor families we can reach. We want to connect, support, and advocate for donor families. Donorfamilycare.org. Check it out. On the Gifted Life podcast, it is time to take a moment for mental health. Let's kick off our first moment for mental health with Lisa here. What you got, Lisa? Well, something I think that um, I definitely need to work on and continue to work on, and many people do. It's learning to think before you speak. Oh, I felt that. <laughs> and look, but not just in our personal life, but in our professional life. And it's a, it's skills that we can learn. Before you say something, there are five things that you should stop and ask yourself. Is what you're going to say necessary? Is it helpful? Is it the truth? Is it inspiring? And is it kind? Now, that's a lot to remember. But basically, you just stop and ask yourself, do I really need to say this? It's sort of learning to put our brain into gear before we put our mouth into motion. I don't, you know, I, I... I have a, what you know, they joke over here, uh, some of the people that have been working with me for a long time, with the Joey pause, uh, you pause? You know, for, for years, <laughs> you know, because it's, there's a lot of difficult things that are presented, right? Yeah, and yeah. and we're trying to help navigate difficult, uh, you know, situations. Absolutely. And so I always pause before, you know, and, and so on Take the other breath. end of the phone, they say, is this a joy pause or did I lose you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and but it's good to have a, a little better framework for, you know, it, normally I, I do try to in general think of for the for the most part, those type of things. It's good to have that framework there I like that. Yeah. And we deal with so many different um, personalities. When you started talking, I started thinking about my children and the imprint that I'm that I'm leaving on them. So I do the same thing like a pause and like. I want I want to be constructive. I don't want to leave them with hurt feelings or anyone, you know, for that matter. Absolutely. Just try to be a good human. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and especially depending on the topic, sometimes my mind just starts running and I think of all these things and I want to say them, but sometimes it's not necessary for me to say everything that I'm thinking. So when we practice this and we learn to do this, it um, does help build stronger relationships and we have more meaningful conversations. So it helps us unlock opportunities. Um, and if you've ever been, in, particularly in a work situation where you've said something and you wish you could, you know, rewind that, like yeah. <laughs> like we can do in this right, podcast, right. Uh, 
unfortunately, we can't do that in real life. Um, and so you might have missed an opportunity for something because you said something you shouldn't have. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it also reduces regret because a lot of times, you know, I'll say something and the minute it comes out, I wish I hadn't said it. And then I feel bad and it causes regret. Like you said, you don't want to leave your children with hurt feelings. And sometimes it's not about what we say. Sometimes it's about what we didn't say that we should have said. It can lift spirits. You know, when you invest in your speech, sometimes it can help lift people's spirits. Um, It also helps us become very conscious and we learn how we are reacting to things. Over time, it will strengthen our observation skills. We learn to Um, be more in tune and carefully observe every detail of everything going on around us. Yeah, I think I need to slow down because I'm always like fast, like we got to fix this fast Mm -hmm. because there's so many tasks on our plate. I know especially Mm -hmm. uh, for you, Joey, too, and you, Lisa, um, that we we try to get all these things handled, um, but taking a breath or taking a pause, that sounds like a a good thing to do. It's things we need to do. Um, It also creates wellness because studies show that clear and organized thought processes is one of the first steps in ensuring overall wellness of your heart and your mind. So it's something we need to learn to do. Um, And there are things we can actually do that help us with this. Um, You can filter, observe, use simple language, and practice. And they say, yeah, yeah, they say there's something called mind gym and playing games, playing games like chess or bridge or some of those games that make you think Mm -hmm. can help your train your brain Mm -hmm. to to do this. Um, It exercises the mind. We also need to learn when we make make a mistake and accept that and apologize and consider our afterthought. So you have this conversation. Um, maybe you didn't stop and think enough. You need to consider that and kind of review that so you can learn to next time. So, you know. Be a good person. Think. Pause. Go back to those first five questions. Is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it true? Is it going to be inspiring? And is it going to be kind? And I think if we all learn to do that and work on that, you know, we'll all just have a more peaceful and happy life. Yeah. Gonna take some practice for some. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'm making a list. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Lisa. Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover here at The Gifted Life. All you have to do is email us info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment, our question here goes to you, Lori. So, how can I reach out to my hero's recipient? I love that. I love that people are thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I get that question um, a lot out in the community. Uh, so basically, if you're listening, you're outside of Louisiana, you can contact your organ procurement organization, your OPO, as we like to call it. Um, you can contact the transplant center if you're a recipient and want to yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and, and contact your donor family. Uh, we can tell you how it happens here at LOPA. It's such a great process. Uh, first of all, if you have a pen and a paper, you can write this down, info at lopa.org or family services at lopa.org. We have some special people who are put into some special positions to help connect these families. Uh, they even have tools to help you write, which is a lot of people, they say that 
that kind of stops them because how do you say thank you for this mm-hmm. gift of life? Um, so it's all on there. You can do it at your own time. You can do it at two in the morning. You can do it at 11 o'clock at night, whatever you'd like. Uh, it could be a simple card. It could be a letter. You can express what, what you'd like. And then our people here at Lopa walk you through and they hold your hand. And it's such a beautiful process. It is. It is. And having worked with recipients, I can tell you that there's never been one that wasn't just so overwhelmingly grateful for that gift. And, you know, if you struggle with the words, a thank you can be enough. Mm-hmm. And so that's OK. Um, and, and it's it's usually quite appreciated. Yeah. Um, and then from donor families and recipients, just having that letter means so much. And when we go out in the community, uh, they read those stories, they share parts of those stories, and it's a big part of their journey. So we appreciate the question. That's the info. Maybe you have a question for us. You can give us a call. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is John Lefferts, and you'll be learning more about him from his mom, Vivian. Our son, John Alexander Lefferts, was born November 1981 in central Illinois. I remember having such a feeling of hope for what he could accomplish as he would be a high school graduate in 2000, the start of a new millennium. Little did I know just what his accomplishments would be. John passed away in 2004, just shy of his 23rd birthday, as a victim of an undetected aortic aneurysm. So quickly, John was gone, but his accomplishments have lived on as a donor who has helped 37 people, including two cornea recipients in Missouri and a staff sergeant whose knee was rebuilt with John's donation. John's accomplishments truly live on. Now we'll pause and say thank you to John for the gift of life. And that is going to do it for episode 183 of The Gifted Life. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime. Registerme.org. Very special thanks to Larry and Vivian Lefferts for so coming neat. on, sharing John with us. And, Great couple. And, of course, you know they joined the, the Grove Myers that you may have heard in a previous episode, episode 131, and, and essentially become a power couples in a donation world, right? You know, yeah. the things that they're doing, making life happen, it's just really amazing. These two power teams teaming yep. together, yep. and they're impacting donor families across the country. What a gift to everyone. The best place to find us, guys, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. We ask that you share it. And listen here and find the links on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you please leave us a five-star rating. It helps others find the podcast. On social, you can like our Facebook page, The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're one big team. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele and Joey Boudreau. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 